Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters like you how to have more turkeys on your property and more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this through tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. And now, for this week's show. Welcome back to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with Andy Galliano. You're listening to part two of episode three, an interview with Tom Kelly. In this part of the interview, Colonel Kelly shares his thoughts about why the turkey population has rebounded so well and his motivation for writing 10th Legion. Now, in this part of the interview, um, the phone call with Colonel Kelly, we actually got disconnected. So you'll hear a little bit of a break. We were able to pick the conversation back up where we left off, so it shouldn't be too chopped up for you. It's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Well, talking about the 10th Legion, what what was your motivation for writing the book? I, you know, again, well, like, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. There wasn't a whole lot of turkey hunters around at that time even still. There so. really wasn't any of them. My wife, my wife was was really responsible for that. She was. She said something to me one time. She said, "You know, you, why don't you just go over and write some of this stuff down and I hear you telling these these lies. I hear you telling other folks." <laughs> and so, at, the, at that time, I was in the, still in the Alabama National Guard. I stayed in the Guard while I was in World War II and then again in Korea and then stayed in the Guard until 1980. And uh, I, I bought, uh, I bought a, a little recorder, a little recording machine, and driving back and forth to drill on drill weekends, I dictated that thing into the recorder, and my wife typed it up. It typed them up. And in, in those days, there really wasn't anything much written about turkeys. You, you still, you, because we're talking now 40 years ago, see. Right. Um, uh, 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 there really wasn't anything. There was no real, there was no major sports writer who specialized in it. Uh, it was a thing that Henry Davis did. And it was a thing that, that uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Archibald Rutledge did a, did a story of two or three or four, but he, Archibald Rutledge, when he lived in South Carolina, South Carolina didn't have a spring season. In fact, South Carolina didn't have a spring season, and any state that did have a spring season in those days was considered on their road to rack and ruin, and they were going to kill all the damn turkeys that they had, and it was it was bad news and bad farm and all that. And they just wasn't anything, and what was written was, and this is an ugly to say it, but in a lot of instances, what was written was just pure garbage. I mean, guys would talk about going out there and four or five of them in a row building blinds and getting into blinds. And when the turkeys came to to feed, they'd get some shooting, and it was you. you, you it reminded you of a dove shoot. <laughs> you know the way the way it was done, and so. 
Right. Uh, I, mine was simply an attempt to, to talk about it like it really was. And, and uh, I figured, well, <clears throat> I got the, I got 500 and uh, I paid a guy in uh, Field Ghost, G-A-U-S-S, in New York uh, to uh, do the print, to, 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 to do the publication of the book. It seems to me I paid him $1,450 or something like that, less than $1,500 to do 500 copies. And he did 555 copies and sent me the extras. And I figured, well, it was, First of all, it was probably 200 folks that didn't know I could read and write. And they'd buy a book just to see if I could. And that would get me my bait back. And if that's all I sold, then I had a lifetime supply of Christmas presents. That's right. So, so uh, and it just it went from there. That was, that was the, the rationale behind it. Well, uh, you know, I... I... For one, I'm glad you went through the effort to do it. It, it is definitely an entertaining book, and uh, you know, for any beginning turkey hunter, and, and that's when I actually read it. You know, not long after I'd started turkey hunting, it's um, it's a great read and very entertaining. And you know, the really incredible thing to me is that you know only about 50% of the stuff of the of the information that's in that book. Seems like it's made up. Yeah. <laughs> the other fifty percent seems like it's true, okay. and you can't get that kind of information from any any turkey hunters. I, I mean, I, turkey hunters uh, as a whole, I think, are bigger liars than fishermen are. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, it all it, I think it's based on that business we were talking about earlier. In the beginning of the time, uh, they really felt that we were in those last throes of turkey hunting, and they were in. When my grandfather was saying that about me in the late 30s, in 1938 and 39 and 40, if things had gone for the next 40 years the way they had done, the way they had gone between 1900 and 1938, he'd have been right. Right. It wouldn't have been anymore. Yeah. I mean, it would be like, ain't no, ain't nobody can write buffalo hunting stories nowadays because there ain't no buffaloes left to hunt. And it would have been the same way, and, and I think that's what happened. That's what happened, and, and it, it just wasn't any writing about it at all. And right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it turned out the way it is. And I was out now. Everybody in the damn world was trying to stand around and say we did it, we did it. It was us. We did it, we did it. And really, it was part of everything. I think it, all kinds of things. It, it really and truly is no longer socially acceptable to violate the bed law. True. I mean, you, you can hear, you can hear a guy pop with a, with a, with a drink in his hand and the other elbow on the mantle at a cocktail party, talking about killing twenty five girls. But even that ain't like it used to be. And, and That's very true. We, and we got, we got plenty of trouble for him to run in. We got fortunately, I was just looking at some stuff on in, in line with with politics the other day, and it was listed. Five or six states: Arizona, uh, um, New Mexico, states in the West that are 75 and 80 percent owned by the federal government now. Right. Well, Alabama, for instance, is five percent owned by the federal government, and most of the states in the Southeast are that way. You get up in the Appalachians, and it runs a little high. 
but a lot, most of the land here, east of the Mississippi River, is privately owned. And it's privately owned by guys that do a variety of different timber management. And the guys, the biologists who really know something about turkeys and are honest will tell you in a minute that what you really need is a, the bigger a hodgepodge you got, the more turkeys you're going to have. If you had 5,000 acres of virgin cherry bark oak without a road in it, it might be pretty to look at, but you wouldn't have as many turkeys in there as you would if you had some old timber, some young timber, some open timber. That it takes variety to really make something work. And we got it. And we got it in the East principally because we got a variety of people owning it. You got, Very true. You, you got every every man that ever lived thinks he knows every man who ever lived who ever cut out a damn load of firewood thinks he knows about knows more about the management of timber than I do who spent a life who it was a, a profession for life. Right. I had a man tell me one time who was a game management specialist that everybody who had ever killed two squirrels knew more about game management than he did. And you go sit around the barbershop and they act like they they think that way, whether they do or not. And with us, I think it was, we got, we are fortunate in that we had a growth of timber that, that succeeded itself with timber. We had enough markets for little old bitty stuff to have some of this kind of stuff have a, have a, have a value so folks were interested in growing it. And we had... Right. Hundreds of thousands of guys, every one of them with their own firm idea about how to manage my timber. And you shut up, I'll manage mine, you go have your own. And that deliberately built in the variety that you have to have. Now, I can't prove that, of course. But I don't know what else, whatever else put it in. Well, it it certainly makes sense. It's it's mm-hmm. logical to me that... Uh... You know that that would be one of the reasons why we've had such a comeback in them, and you know, without the habitat, you're you're definitely not going to have birds. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, you mentioned that you're in the timber business for for a lifetime, and you really made a career out of it. How how do you think spending your days in the woods each and every day? How did that help you improve as a turkey hunter oh, and as know, a hunter in general? You know, you know the woods. You 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 come to the realization that the single most important thing about hunting anything is to know the land you hunt on. Very true. What's across the creek? If this is a thicket and if it's got a pond in the middle of it, what does it look like on the other side? What what, what happens when you go this way? Is that creek wadeable? Uh, how wide is it? I mean, the, 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 the and and I am I am as convinced as I can be right now that most hunting clubs and I'm talking about and when I say most I mean most of the ninety percent group have no damned idea of the land they've got leased to hunt on. Unless unless you're in one of these places like I hear about now, where they will lease you one duck blind site. You know, this this right. is this is your this is your blind, and you can use it as much as you want to. Guys probably hunt no more than sixty to seventy percent of the land they lease. The, the average hunter won't walk. 
he goes to one place. He, he's not going to go around and explore. He goes to a place where he's killed a couple of turkeys, and he goes there every time. And, right. and, and at least 25% of the land, and I swear to God, I really truly believe it's closer to 40, is not hunted because nobody knows where it is. If the average owner, if he's got to walk three quarters of a mile to get someplace, that place might just as well be in the jungles of the Amazon for the amount of use that the club, the club as a whole, is going to make up. Very true. And, and Very what, true. That, what that does, that builds in scouted from hill to breakfast, an automatic series of resting places, of quiet places, of places where stuff ain't disturbed. And I, I think that's got as much to do with it as anything that we can all. Yeah, we. You could you could you could tell you right. A turkey baits easier than a duck, and even and even that, even worse, he gets used to coming to the bait at the same time. And when you had the woods for the poor devils that were trying to raise a family on forty acres of corn, and he was cracking corn to begin with, and he was helping to feed his family with a shotgun. And these guys, they, they go dig a trench and put corn in it and get them used to coming in. They get used to coming in a week or 10 days. And they get used to coming out about 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon all the time and go sit go sit down at the end where he can rake the link that trench with a shotgun when he was full of heads. Well, now, nothing can stand that. Well, those guys are gone. The world ain't full of sharecroppers no more. You get that in, in good in good uh, game management, and by and large, we've got good game management, although we don't pay the post up, which is nothing. But we've got good game management, good good knowledge, and a and a, a, a society that really doesn't believe in saying if you can kill 30 turkeys a year or 40 turkeys a year, and all of this working together, I think, and the fact that turkeys are very forgiving species and are as adaptable as hell. Uh, you know, I, I, I firmly believe down here at Mobile at the state docks where they load grain, you could turn turkey loose down there and he could make a living picking up grain that falls off the cars as they load them in the docks. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's roost on. Probably the top <laughs> Probably all cranes. <laughs> Absolutely, that but, sounds like a good spot. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they 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 are, they are adaptive as hell. They are, they are, and that's uh, good news for us because yeah. we, you know we've got that uh, wide variety of of uh, habitat, and and that is what they need. And yeah, I've hunted uh, several years in a row hunted a place uh, a hunting club in coosa county just um south of birmingham and it was amazing to me the first time i went down there and i walked in in this area that i'd signed out for and this pine trees that are eight to ten feet tall and there must have been five gobblers in there that morning just gobbling like crazy and that's where they lived the place up here on scotch lumber scotch lumber is in claw county Scotch is old enough and big enough, and they own 150,000 acres of land. They say they have saved back over the years 20 to 25,000 acres, and a hell of a lot of it has got old growth longleaf pine on it. And when I say old growth longleaf pine, I'm talking about 200, 250 year old pine tree. Right. And then there's some patches of 
certain place in particular that I know of, right next to an area like that, there's an area that has been clear-cut and planted back, and it's in about 22 or 23-year-old pine plantations. The turkeys living in goddamn plantations. Been, the plantation's been filmed once, too. They live in that plantation. They roost in that plantation. They gobble in that plantation. If you want to see pretty temple across the line in the old growth stuff and stand around and ooh and all you want to, if you want to kill something, go over there in the plantation and you kill <laughs> Now, what, how, how, how he does it, I cannot tell you. The goddamn trees, the way the limbs come away from the trees, he can't find a limb next to another limb that he can get on. He's got to roost right. over with one foot up and one foot down. Or else he's got to get up there and jump up and down and break off limbs so he can roost. And they stand there. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know why. And I don't know what they and, – and they're fat. Hell, they may be getting on the phone tonight and sending out for pizza. But they're damn sure living in there, and they ain't living in the pretty temple. And, and right. you, you get this same story again and again and again and again. I've had people stand up at meetings and tell me that turkeys could just not live in pine plantations. And hell, 40 years ago, I believed it. Right. 40 years ago, I really thought I knew something about turkeys. Now I don't really realize I don't know shit. <laughs> so what do I get uh, to come out yet? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I may argue with you on that one. <laughs> and I just met you. Okay. Okay. Uh, tell me, tell me. Uh, you know, you talked about old growth longleaf pines in that Scotch uh, uh, timber company land. Where, where is your favorite hunting spot out of all the spots that you've been? And I know you hunt in several states each year. I don't, where, I don't, I don't hunt in it. I, I have hunted probably. I have killed the the the. the the, the, the spread. I mean, uh, not 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 the the uh, the yucca thing, not the, not that peacock with the yellow wars on his head that we call right, it. the oscillated. Uh, and I'm not at all sure that the others are anything but subspecies. And I'm not going to argue with a man that does. And if a guy takes a lot of pleasure out of killing the, the five species, that's great. Uh, but uh, most of the turkeys, because I've been fortunate enough to live where I lived, most of the turkeys, probably 98.6% of the hunting I've done has been within 100 miles of the house. The local right. boys can humiliate and embarrass me all they please, and I don't have to drive 500 miles and give my business to strangers. So I, I, I have not hunted in other kind of turkeys all that much. Uh, uh, these are these are these these are fun, and I've had a lot of fun with them. I do think this. I think uh, both both uh, uh, Miriam's and and uh, uh, Rio's are easier to hunt than our turkey here in the southeast is concerned because they gobble more. I agree, and they let you know when you've lost. Uh, uh, you, you you go to a turkey here. And he's on the roost, and you pick a place to sit down and talk to him a couple of times, and he gobbles and he flies down, and you gobble again when he's on the ground. Then you've got a tendency to shut up, and he may shut up for 20 minutes. All right? right. And you, you don't know, is he coming? And 
Okay, I don't know either, but you you were talking about the the turkeys here in the in the east and how they'll fly down and gobble once or twice and and they'll shut up and you don't know what they're doing. And there are other ones. There are other ones. He, he, if he gobbles and then gobbles further away and then gobbles further than that and then gobbles further than that, you can think, well, they owe this. I better go try to hunt up one I can do something with it. And you move. For that reason, I, I think they're easier. But on the other hand, that don't mean that don't mean they're easy. Very true. Well, I don't. I don't know that there's so much truth to there being an easy turkey. Well, but, that's right. They, they, uh, the same easy turkey won't be easy tomorrow morning. That's very true. But uh, I, I I tend to agree with you in the in the respect that I think Rio's. If you put a a Rio next to an Eastern, um, you're gonna send the the Eastern in the other direction, and the Rio would come running to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and it's just. I think it's got a lot to do with where they live and, you know, the the habitat and, and the I area think, that they live in and what they're used to. I think you're right. You get wide open places like in Texas where they just, any tree out there is, is a mesquite and it ain't but 23 feet tall and it's wide open and I think those turkeys will do, they act differently than these turkeys do here. And I don't know why. But here, that's what makes it fun. You ain't supposed to know why. It ain't supposed to be you. <laughs> uh, now, I, I've always thought that you had them pegged and that it, and that you killed one every time you went out. So you telling yep. me some, something different? Yep. If I, and I, <laughs> I, I have never already. I wish to God. I wish to God I had kept my journal. If it wasn't the one line, it was one line a day, I wish. But I didn't. But I, I got a retentive memory. and. If I hear Turkey and go to him and sit down and he gobbles after I have established a place and sit down, I ain't screwed him up yet. I got plenty of opportunity out there in front of him, but I ain't done it yet. Turkey that I hear gobble and go to and get set up and sit down, I probably killed, I probably killed two and a half out of ten, which means I'm a 250 hitter. Now, yeah. In the last two weeks of the season, when turkeys are on, when the hens are either seven or already in incubation, and all the gobblers quit gobbling because nobody comes to it anymore, and then a gobbler will begin to gobble later in the day, and then if you can make one gobble on the ground up in the day, that's when you kill those two-minute turkeys. Right. I mean, if you gave me if you gave me only two weeks of the season, I would take the last two weeks. For that reason, it's easy. Uh, but now, it's uh, those kind. Those kind. I may get. I may. You don't have as many of them, but I may. I may get as high as three out of ten. In in talking with people and in talking with guys who really know what they're doing, some of the guys from Westerville, some of the guys from some of these lodges, some of these guys who take somebody hunting as a profession, damn near every day, in the in the in the season, and in talking in the honest ones and in talking with them about what they do and how many turkeys they kill. It would work out, and, and I, I, I've never made it. Uh, I, I don't have a doctorate in it, and I don't even have a, a, a master's in it. 
But you get the number about one turkey for every seven trips keeps cropping up and cropping up and cropping up and cropping up. And I think that may be a pretty decent average, which means that I may not, ain't nobody kills one every time you go. You don't have strength where you kill four in a row. But you, they ain't nobody, they ain't nobody, unless he's baiting turkeys or unless, and and going out there and planting chufas and sitting over a damn chufa patch and shooting them when they come in there is baiting turkeys just as well. You, you, you bait the turkey when you wrote the check to the man that planted the chufas. That ain't hunting, that's <laughs> ambushing. <laughs> Well, and I, I and think the that the church uh, says it's legal, and if a guy wants to do it, okay. But it, and if a guy wants to kick six inch, put six inch putts in the hole with the toe of his shoe and not count the stroke, that's okay because it looks good on the card. But he ain't a golfer, and the first guy ain't a turkey hunter. He, <laughs> I don't care how many pictures he's got. I don't care how many beers he's got hanging on the wall. And all that, he ain't a turkey hunter. He's a goddamn ambusher. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with you there. Yeah. Um, that that's uh, you, you know, I mean that that's part of the fun and in well, that's the majority of the fun mm-hmm. in hunting them and is getting out there and having the interaction with the animal and that's right. You know, and and trying to trick them in their own backyard and that's that's, uh, that's the so fun difficult part. to do. That's the fun part. Yeah. It is. If we knew we were going to kill one every time. We'd only go out when we needed meat, wouldn't we? That's right. That's right. Like, like when you go to the store, go buy four pounds of pork chops and it's back. That's right. Yeah. You know you're gonna, you know you're gonna do some good when you go to the grocery store. Right. You've been listening to part two of episode three of the Turkey Hunter podcast, an interview with Tom Kelly. And tune in next week for part three of episode three. It's our final part of the of the interview, where Colonel Kelly shares one his one piece of advice for new turkey hunters, the best turkey hunter he ever knew and why, his go-to turkey call, the story of his first turkey kill, and the story of his last successful turkey hunt. So a lot of good stuff in the next episode. Again, you can buy one of Colonel Kelly's books on my website at www.imturkeyhunting.com. Click on the store link at the top of the screen and then you can search by category and pull up turkey hunting books and uh, purchase one there. Or you can go to Colonel Kelly's website at www.tomkellyinc.net and purchase one of his books there as well. Thanks for tuning in this week. I look forward to seeing you next week, and I hope it's a great one. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. 
Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.